it's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Edmund Burke once said, All that matters for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Good evening, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue. Always done in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for joining us this evening. This is a call-in format. We are caller-friendly. So, let's get started. Good evening, Jonathan. What's going on? What's happening? What's new and exciting? And most importantly, what are we going to be talking about? Well, let's just go to the question for the evening. (laughs) Get right (laughs) to the point, huh? How do you define hero? And our theme text is found in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. So a little bit of David and Goliath action going on there. Bottom line is we're talking about being a hero. And everybody, everybody loves a hero. Everyone loves to watch that guy as he or she defies the odds, stands up against darkness, evil, or injustice, and fights. Sometimes he fights alone, and sometimes his fight inspires others to stand and fight with him. We admire the guts, the vision, and the strength of such people because in their heroic actions, it represents what we would like to be. So, what makes someone a hero? Is it one heroic action, or is it a life lived in a heroic way? Do people become heroes because of their strength, Or do they become heroes in spite of their weakness? Are heroes made or are they born? And really, most importantly, how can you and I become more heroic in our everyday lives? So, Jonathan, it's about heroes tonight. It is. And and Rick, I don't know, does everyone have that desire to be a hero? I I know as a boy, I I loved uh, looking at superheroes and I envisioned being a hero myself but today this day and age is that the same i you know i think for the most part i think most people would would love to be able to be that person to be able to be the one who saves the day you know the you know to swoop in and do something really wonderful and really awesome and and you know it's with that in mind that we're doing this particular program because we want to look at what makes a hero and then how could we be heroic because you know you don't have to swoop in and save the day to actually be a hero but you have to stand for something in, in, in a way and in a place that maybe most people wouldn't. So really that's what, what this is about. Uh, so for tonight, Jonathan, to get started, let's go to a soundbite. Uh, this is from uh, YouTube, from uh, a site called Join the Conversation. And they're talking about what is a hero. And they're just going to be looking at several individuals giving their input on what they think a hero is. 
drill sergeant once told me that integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. That's what a hero is, and I think heroes come in all forms. A hero to me is somebody who's willing to step up, not because they're asked to, but simply because they know it's the right thing to do. A brave individual who goes out of his or her way to protect others. I've seen heroes in the military, uh, served alongside them. A hero is someone who will give up their freedoms, their safety, for your freedom and for your safety. All of our military members who signed that dotted line. Sacrificing everything, doing whatever it takes to help another. Life, limb, love of family, whether it's freedom or those in need. I consider every person that fights for our country a hero. Doesn't do it for the money, doesn't do it for the fame. They don't care about, you know, the recognition that they're going to get from it. The spontaneity of reacting or sacrificing and giving up of themselves just to help another human being. So you got a little bit of a sense of, of what a hero is through the observations of several people. Yes. And they're all really good observations. And They are. And, and the, really the bottom line is somebody who puts themselves aside for the sake of others. That's really kind of when you try to put it all together, that's what it comes out to be. And isn't that the definition of agape love, the highest form of love? You know, you're right, it is. It's that benevolent love that gives with no real thought or concern of receiving back. And so heroism very, very much fits in with the highest form of love which Jesus taught us about. So that, that's a great tie-in to put this thing together right from the start. Jonathan, we want to do several things tonight, and we want to try to, try to lay them out as different pieces to the puzzle on understanding what a hero is. We're going to go through a biblical account, a biblical story for most of the program that most of you are familiar with, probably all of you are familiar with, uh, and we're going to use this as a story to, to build the idea of, of a hero in the making. Let's take a look at somebody who, who actually is becoming a hero. That'll be the first thing we do, and we'll, we'll introduce the other things as we get to them, but the young man that we are going to focus on, his name is David. And he had a particularly large problem, Jonathan. What was that problem called? Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to begin to uncover how a hero is revealed in this particular experience of David. So there's phases of the revealment of David the hero in this. And the first phase is what? The challenge. And what is that? It's a powerful defiance of God and his people. So... What we have is the initial, um, the, the initial uh, event that takes place is this challenge. It's a defiance against God and God's people. And that is what gets David's attention in terms of heroic action. So we're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read verses 3 through 51. We're going to read the selected verses, and we're going to spread these out throughout uh, much of the program. So let's just get started, Jonathan. I'm probably going to interrupt you a lot in these first few verses because there's a lot of explaining to do. This is putting the context of David's heroic actions against Goliath in place. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, Rick, that's about nine feet tall. All right, six cubits and a span. And nine feet. The man is nine feet tall. Unbelievable. You know, I can't even get to <laughs> five and a half feet tall. Nine feet is just, it is, it is, it is monstrous. 
absolutely monstrous. Okay, so this man went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, and he is monstrous. Okay. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. 5,000 shekels of bronze. That translates into how, how much in terms of weight? Rick, that's 220 pounds. All right. So Can you imagine? No. Wrapped around your shoulders. Yeah, and you're carrying that around? I mean, wow. that, I, would, I would camp out right there because I can't lift 220 pounds. Come on. So he's carrying armor on his body that weighs 220 pounds. That gives you a, a sense of the awesome strength of, of the, the, the core of this, this giant. What else? And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Okay, like a weaver's beam. What does that mean? Rick, that's nearly three inches thick. So the, the, um, the javelin, the, the spear, was about three inches thick, the, the, the shaft of the spear. I mean, that is huge. Imagine is. trying to throw that thing. Imagine trying to pick that thing up to throw it. <laughs> you know, you just get a sense of the massiveness of this, this warrior. Okay, continue. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And how much is that? 25 pounds, just the spearhead itself. Okay, so you're painting a picture of massiveness and something to really, truly be afraid of. Because this is too big to handle. And a shield bearer went before him. Hey, how come he couldn't carry his own <laughs> Yeah, you wonder about that. <laughs> All right, and, and so, so okay, you've got this monstrous, monstrous warrior standing in front of you. What's the deal with him? What happens with him? Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. So not only is he a, a massive, massive, massive individual, but he presents a massive, massive, massive challenge. And he says, look, why should we bother to have our army fight your army? Just bring your best, your best warrior out. Let him fight me. Winner take all. He's nine feet tall. <laughs> he's a giant. That's right. He is. He's a giant. He's, he's too big to conquer. And Israel, we're going to see, is, it becomes very, very afraid of him. Okay. That's the beginning of the context of the story of David, the hero in the making, a hero being revealed here. Let's pause there for a second now. Now, let's, Jonathan, we want to have some fun with this during the, the program because like you said, you asked the question, is it still the same? Do people want to be heroes? And, and the answer is yes. And, and we love the hero in literature, in, in movies. We love to watch the hero. So what we thought would be fun would be to take the, the themes from a few movies and just play a little bit of the theme and just say, okay, why does this theme represent a hero in the minds of many, many people? So this, uh, this first theme, movie theme, you're probably all going to recognize because, well, it's just very recognizable. Let's listen.
So what was that movie theme? Of course, that's Rocky, the theme song. Okay, so the theme from the movie Rocky. And, of course, Rocky, was, he was a fictional human being, but he lived in the present time, and he had real issues with other fictional human beings. Yes. The thing about the Rocky story is, first of all, it's somewhat believable because it's a real person in our real world dealing with other real people. Adrian! <laughs> Yo, Adrian, it's me, Rocky. <laughs> you know, and, and, and he had to overcome, he had to, he had to slay the giant in some ways. It was, a, it was the same kind of story, but a very believable picture of, of heroism in, in our world. And yes, people gravitate towards that. So we do want heroes in our lives. So enough of Rocky. Uh, let's get down to some, some real understanding of the pathway of a hero. You know, we've been talking about David, and we're going to keep coming back to David each segment. But we're also going to talk about Jesus each segment. And we want to look at Jesus paving the way throughout his entire life. We're looking at one example of David's life, one incident. We're going to take a really fast overview of the entire life of Jesus and put that in the framework of the pathway of a hero and the pathway whose footsteps we ourselves should follow. So to do that, we want to go to uh, another soundbite. This is from Matthew Winkler, and it's from uh, a YouTube video that uh, is entitled What Makes a Hero? And in this, he outlines the, the, the pathway that heroes in story, in mythology, and in real life all generally follow. And That's it, interesting. It is. And there is a, there is a sort of a, a, a path of experiences and development and trial and error and all those things. And he outlines it and he uses it. And, and this can be a little bit, a, a little bit confusing. So we want to we really lay this out carefully. He uses the example of a clock because there's 12 points, 12 uh, points of, of progress that the pathway of a hero goes through. Now, we're going to put Jesus to each of these 12 points because it doesn't fit exactly because nobody fits exactly, but it shows you how the ultimate heroic life was lived according to this pathway of a hero. So let's take a look at a little bit of an introduction here, and then he's going to sit, talk about 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock being the first two uh, steps, if you will, toward that life of a hero. What do Harry Potter, Katniss Everdeen, and Frodo all have in common with the heroes of ancient myths? What if I told you they are all variants of the same hero? Do you believe that? Joseph Campbell did. He studied myths from all over the world and published a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, retelling dozens of stories and explaining how each represents the monomyth or hero's journey. So, what is the hero's journey? Think of it as a cycle. The journey begins and ends in the hero's ordinary world, but the quest passes through an unfamiliar, special world. Along the way, there are some key events. Status quo, that's where we start. One o'clock, call to adventure. The hero receives a mysterious message, an invitation, a challenge. Two o'clock. Assistance. The hero needs some help, probably from someone older, wiser. So what he's saying is there's this cycle that represents the 
lifetime or the example of the development of any hero. And again, it's a general uh, cycle. And he's saying the first cycle starts with one, o'clo- one o'clock. And that's the, cr- the call to adventure. Right. Yeah. The call to do something that needs to be done, that, that came up and needs, there's, there's a void that needs to be filled. Well, Jesus certainly had that call to adventure in the heavenly realm. And see, that's the interesting thing about this. When we say we're going to look at Jesus' life, we're going to go way back into the heavenlies, walk through his becoming the man, his going through his earthly life, and then go back to the heavenlies. Because the whole thing is the heroic life of Jesus, and these 12 points of the cycle really reflect that. So his call to adventure. We're told about it prophetically in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. So you've got prophetically Jesus literally answering the call. He volunteered he did. from heaven to go for his heavenly Father. Right, because sin was going to be an issue that needed to be dealt with, and he said, Yeah, I will go. I will do that. Now, see, Jonathan, this pathway of Jesus is a pathway that we're supposed to follow. We're supposed to walk in Jesus' footsteps. So, you know, we can have that once-in-a-lifetime call, and we all get that if you're, if you're a, a true footstep follower of Christ. You were called, right? You were called. Absolutely, and so were you. Out of your life, out of your ordinary life, to do something different, to be something different. Sometimes that call to adventure is daily. You know, it's kind of an, in, a, in a microcosm of our daily experience, but it also is represented in our whole daily life. We're called to this adventure to follow Christ. So 2 o'clock, Mr. Winkler said, was assistance. Sometimes you need help. Jesus needed help. That's right. At his baptism with John the Baptist, right? Right. He received the Spirit of God. That was the necessary help. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lightning on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So there you see Jesus receiving the necessary help, the necessary guidance to be able to go on this adventure and accomplish the great mission that, uh, that he had. Now for us, Jonathan, it's the same thing. If we're walking in Jesus' footsteps, we need help. Oh, for sure. So how, however frequently we must answer a call to maybe heroism on a Christian level in every day, or, or in the big picture of our lives, we always have the help of God through God's Spirit. That's right. So His, his power and influence working in our lives. So you've got 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock. You, the call to adventure and assistance. Jesus showed us in the big picture what those are. We need to apply those to our lives. Let's take a moment now and add another story to the mix. This is a real true story that happened in 2011 of a guy in New York. That's all I'm going to tell you at this point. On the New York City subway, it's hard enough finding someone who will give up his seat to a stranger, let alone be willing to give up his life for one. The train was coming in late, 
like, like that. 50-year-old Wesley Autry, a construction worker and Navy veteran, was standing on a subway platform with his two little girls when right in front of them, a man started having a seizure. He kind of stumbled over his own feet and fall backwards. I see a train coming, but the train is so close, I'm like, what do I do? So you can hear the dilemma. The man falls literally onto the train tracks. The subway's right there. What do I do? I want to help the man, but I don't know how to help the man. So this is the dilemma. So a lot more to come here as we develop the idea of heroism. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, how do you define hero? Coming up, how do we react when a seemingly insurmountable challenge is set before us. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, how do you define hero? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. Okay, so uh, Jonathan, we are looking at heroes. We're looking at heroes from a number of different perspectives. Uh, we're looking at the story of David and Goliath, how David becomes a hero in that story. We're following the pathway of Jesus from heaven to earth through crucifixion and back to the work that he does in heaven to finish the job that he started, fo and us following in his footsteps. We're looking at a story of an actual man who did some really heroic things in New York several years ago uh, at a subway station. We'll get to that in a few minutes. And then we're taking a little bit of, of time off, if you will, and examining some of the heroic characters that we have created in our real world that we can look up to and have fun with and get excited about. And we're doing that through movie themes. And we, we played the theme for Rocky in the first uh, segment, right? Yeah, and we're ready to play another one, aren't we? Yes, we are, and uh, this one may not be as as um, recognizable, but see if you know what movie this is from. All right, Jonathan, which one is that? All right, isn't that the Avengers theme song? Yes, it is. And the Avengers is very different than Rocky because, again, these are fictional human beings in the present time, but they're aided by mutants and all kinds of weird stuff going on. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that is not possible. See, Rocky is possible. The Avengers, not so much. I mean, we're not going to have a Hulk uh, you know, appear at some point. Goliath may have looked Hulkish, 
but <laughs> but he wasn't the Hulk. You're not going to have Thor come down with his hammer and try to fix things. But you have these fictional humans and these sci-fi creatures that are fighting other sci-fi creatures. And so what you have now is you've got the hero theme working its way into science fiction. First it was very believable real life. In this case, you still have humans involved in the present time, but it's now much more science fiction. Just an aside, it's a kind of an interesting observation to your original question. Aren't people still looking to be heroes and want heroes? Yes, we are, desperately. Why do you think movies like this are the biggest sellers all the time? Because right. it's got that hero thing going on. All right, having said that, let's go back to a real hero. Forget all the science fiction, forget the Iron Man, forget the, the technology. Let's go back to a young man named David from the Old Testament. And we saw the problem arise, the challenge, Goliath, we described Goliath in the first segment, how big and powerful he was, and how he said, look, let's just have a fight. Your best warrior against me, winner take all. So the second phase, once the challenge has been put in place, for David was what? The reaction. Okay, what's the reaction to that? So let's get back to 1 Samuel 17, and again, read some selected verses and put this in, in context as now David gets introduced into this story. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. All right, so that's kind of crazy right there. 40 days. So he came out every single day for 40 days making this challenge. Meaning, and no, one, no one stood up. Yeah, well, would you? <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, the man's nine feet tall. We went through all of this. I mean, it is just, it is overwhelming the odds that you're facing here. Now, in the meantime, while this is going on, Jesse, David's father, sends David, who's a shepherd, to the battlefield, to the battlefront with supplies for his three oldest brothers who are in the, the, uh, in the Israeli army there. And, and they are, they, he's, he's going to help them with supplies. So David comes into the scene. So let's pick up the reading there. And David greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine, Goliath. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So now David is shocked at this. He's saying, like, who is this guy? Now, now let's put this in context, Jonathan. Is David a big man? No. He's a young man. He's somewhere between 17 and 18 years old. Okay. And he's a shepherd, and he's kind of on the smaller side. Yeah, he's, you know, that's my kind of hero, if you ask me, okay? <laughs> kind of on the smaller side. And he's shocked. Like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to say these kinds of things? So you have David's reaction. First of all, it's like, shock. What is going on? So let's continue. Now, Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? So it's interesting. You can see the little brotherly rivalry going on oh, there. for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, you wonder about that. How, how is it that that's in place? And... You know, this is pure speculation on, on my part, but perhaps 
remember, now David has been anointed before this. Oh, that's right. And Eliab, the oldest brother, would be the one to, uh, that you would have expected to have been anointed. He got passed over. Right. And so did the other brothers. But that's the right. oldest is the one where the expectation would have, would, have, would, have, would have been. So perhaps, and again, this is pure speculation, but perhaps what we're seeing from Eliab is, is leftovers from that frustration. And I know the insolence of your heart. You think you're so special because you were anointed. Well, you're supposed to be taking care of those few little sheep, and you can't even do that right. That's kind of what it sounds like is going on here. But Rick, David is firm here. Yeah. He said, is there not a cause? Yeah, don't I have a reason to be saying this? Yes. Did you hear what the guy said? I mean, that's, that's the attitude. So David was shocked, and he's firm in that. It's not just emotion for David. This is clear. This is focused. This is a real live problem. So now what happens? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first one did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. So what happens is, after Eliab gets all bent out of shape at David, David doesn't say, okay, well, my older brother said I shouldn't say anything, so I'm not going to say anything. No way. David was persistent. And why is he persistent? Because he had a cause. Because this was not right. These were the people of God, and they were being mocked day after day after day after day. And David, young 17 or 18-year-old David, sees this and says, this can't be. This should not be. We ha we've got to do something. So he is so persistent that the men that he spoke to uh, figured they should tell the king, King Saul, about this. And it makes you wonder, Jonathan, King Saul had been anointed to be king. Yes, he did. All right. And he was a big man, if you remember. He was. He, he was stood... a strong, big king. Right. Yeah. So you Handsome. wonder, why didn't King Saul himself, in the name of God, say to the Lord God, I am the king of your people. I should be the one to go out and fight this giant. Now, that makes sense. Well, it didn't seem to make sense to King Saul. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Monday evening. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so the story is unfolding, and we're seeing David's reaction. And this is the revealing of a hero, of a real live hero in a real live circumstance. And the amazing thing is he's young, and you'd think he doesn't know what he's doing. Ah, but wait, just wait. You will see the greatness of the heroism in David because he is a godly, a godly young man. So Then David uh, yeah. said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So David goes before the king, and what does he say? I'm, I'm up for it. I'm going. I'm <laughs> going I'm to take care of this guy. Yeah. Now David is a shepherd, right? Yeah. He's not he's a warrior. Five, 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 six, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's bold. He is. He goes before the king, and he says, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. He, he's basically saying, enough of this giant pouring fear 
into the hearts and minds of God's people. Let's not let that happen anymore. Your servant, me, David, me, the little guy, I will go, I will go, and I will fight this Philistine. So but listen to what Saul had to say about that, King Saul. Okay. He said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So the reaction is... The king said no. Right. The king says, look, you're just a kid. You know, maybe he's hardly growing a little beard on his chin. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> you know, you're just a kid. I can't send you to fight this Philistine. He has been fighting wars longer than you've been alive. That's basically what, what, what the king tells him. So, you know, David is faced with a real dilemma. Israel is faced with a real dilemma, and nobody is willing to do anything about it up to this point. That's where heroism comes to the front. That's where heroism comes to the fore. See, when your head and your heart are in the right place, and the circumstances call for dramatic action, then your conviction rises to the top and your courage takes over. And we're going to David's did. Yes, it really, really did in a very big way. We'll see that begin to uh, unfold in the next segment. So. Let's pause here on the, on the David and Goliath story, and now let's shift gears back to the big picture of Jesus. Back to the big picture. Remember, he heard the call while in heaven. He needed help because he, he was baptized, he was given God's spirit. So let's go back to Matthew Winkler, what makes a hero, and the cycle of the hero, and the next pieces that fall into place that Jesus actually fulfills in such a very particular and straightforward way. Three o'clock, departure. The hero crosses the threshold from his normal, safe home and enters the special world and adventure. We're not in Kansas anymore. Four o'clock, trials. Being a hero is hard work. Our hero solves a riddle, slays a monster, escapes from a trap. Okay, so again, we're going through this when you say three o'clock and four o'clock, you know, forget the clock. Think about the cycle. Think about the things that come into play that creates the environment for the hero to rise to the heroic action that everybody uh, looks at. And with, um, w with Jesus, it was pretty simple. Departure. The, the departure, what? When we, when we look at that, how do we label that? Well, Rick, Jesus goes to fast and pray and began his ministry. So he, he just walk. he literally walks away. To, to the desert. Right. And uh, so let's take a look at that, Matthew 4, 1 to 2. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. So Jesus walks away to get his mission really straight in his mind. Yeah, he's focusing here. Right. And so now, for us, do we do the same thing? Are we willing to just take the time, the mental energy, and focus? Are we willing to depart, to leave comfort behind and to step into the unknown as the requirements of being a Christian hero, of being a, an individual that walks in Jesus' footsteps, uh, come, come before us. So from the 3 o'clock departure, you've got 4 o'clock trials. Satan, the Pharisees, doubters and all that, this is an issue for, uh, uh, that, that these are the issues that come up, uh, across for Jesus. Matthew 4, 3 and 4. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
Okay. So, Rick, this is a test, isn't it? It it is, and that's one of many tests that Jesus had. And now for us, we have to go through those tests, and to do that, let's look at Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. A sinful world naturally repels godly heroism. Our path to victory is in the footsteps of Jesus. We have to focus on Jesus, and that's why we keep coming back to Jesus in the big, big picture. And Jonathan, we have got a really, really special phone call coming in right now. So, uh, good evening. This is Christian Questions. Who are we speaking with? Hello? Oh, sure. Hello? Hi, this is Christian Questions. Who are we speaking with? Hi, this is Matt. I'm calling from the East Coast Bible Students Youth Camp out in Morris, Connecticut. Okay, Matt. And uh, that's a that's a youth camp that I actually used to be the director of. I was up visiting today. Matt, what do you have for us? Well, we want to uh, share a song with you. Uh, about one of our heroes, because we know your topic is heroes this evening. Okay, so you've got kids there that are going to sing. We've got a group of campers here that are going to sing you one verse of a song about our hero um, and our Savior, Jesus. Let's hear it. Here we go. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We appreciate your efforts and your, uh, your contributing to our program. Thanks so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week at the youth camp. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Well, Jonathan, that was different, huh? It sure was. <laughs> a little bit hard to hear on Skype, but hey, you know, we're doing the best we can. His sheep am I. That's right, and it is, and that is about Jesus, and what a, what a great time to bring that up. Uh, Jonathan, just before we go to the break, we're going to run long on this particular segment, but um, just want to go back to the soundbite from the guy on the subway, because remember, in the last soundbite, this, his, uh, this, this other fellow falls onto the tracks unconscious, and the train is literally barreling down the track. What do you do? Wesley jumped onto the tracks and thought if he could just lie on top of the man, keep him from flailing, maybe the train would roll right over both of them. The clearance was exactly 21 inches. Wesley and the man, 
20 and a half. No way the train can stop before this gentleman could get him, get him up off the tracks. So he covered him with his body and pushed him down to a point where the train wouldn't hit his head and held him down under the tracks while the train came and rolled right over the top of him. Can you even imagine not only the quick thinking, but the, the boldness of that action? Unbelievable, Rick. You know, and that's really, that's really what it means to be a hero. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject today, how do you define hero? Coming up, who provokes someone to rise up to be that guy? His conscience, his faith, his experience? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for tonight, how do you define hero? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And if you don't have an app for your smartphone, go to your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio. It is a free service. All right, Jonathan, thank you for that. I tell you, that was so cool to have the kids uh, sing. I know it didn't come out well on the air, but it was cool to have them make the it effort. Was. And uh, we are so, so thankful for that. They are heroes in, in, you know, in, in the making in terms of trying to learn about God and Jesus and so forth. And, and uh, that brings me to a comment uh, from the app, from uh, Christian Questions app. It says, that makes God our greatest hero and Jesus our second greatest hero. They both uh, give themselves to bring us wholeness and to bring us to life. And how, how well put that, uh, you know, we've got the greatest examples for, uh, of all. But, you know, the world wants examples. They want heroes. They want something super. So let's go to another movie. I just gave it away. You did. Uh, another movie <laughs> theme to prove the point. Superman theme song. There you go. And you know, and when you think about it, what is Superman? He's an alien. He's an alien being in the present time fighting both humans and other alien forces. So it's all fantasy. Yes, it is. But it's the hero thing. People want to look up to the hero. And what they don't realize is the real Superman was Jesus. I mean, that's the bottom line. And it's real. It's not some fabricated story. It's real. And the success of his mission is unequaled in all of, all of the universe. All of the universe. So, Jonathan, as we um, go back to the story of, of David, young David, we're looking at one example of heroism in David's life, and that is as a young man standing up and fighting against Goliath. And the first phase we talked about was challenge. The second was reaction. And now we're hitting our third phase, aren't we? Which is his response. 
So remember, he goes to King Saul and says, hey, I'll fight the guy. And Saul says, no, nah, you're too small. You're too young. You know, you know, forget about it. So let's continue with that conversation. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after him and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. So David is giving an example of his life. And he's saying, look, he, he's responding with faith, experience, and intuitive courage. He's, he's saying, look, I, I have been in hard places before, and God delivered me. And that's the point. He's saying, God delivered me. And that makes this whole thing look different. Because David is coming to Saul to solve the challenge with a godly reason. Not just, hey, I'm, I'm strong enough to do it. He's saying, God is strong enough to do it. And I know he can work through me. Because he already has proved to me he can do that. Right, right. So you, you've, got that, you've got that going uh, as well. Uh, let's go now back to the, uh, the, uh, the Wesley story. You know, saving that man on the tracks, diving, covering his body with a half inch to spare as the train literally rides over their backs. It gave Wesley's children the scare of their young lives. I thought he was going to get killed. And Wesley, the scare of his, too. I'm like talking to him, sir, you can't move. I got two kids up here looking for the father to come back. I don't know you, you don't know me, but listen, don't panic. You know, I'm here to save you. Don't you just love that? Don't panic, oh. I'm here to save you. I don't know you, you don't know me. It's okay, just trust me. And then this train goes barreling over top of them. Can you even imagine the, 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 the great courage uh, that it took for Wesley uh, to be able to do that. Wow. It really is an amazing example of what we look at in terms of what makes a hero. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut on the line. Good evening, Julius. Welcome to Christian Questions. Hello? Okay, there's the beep now. Hello, Julius. Good evening. Welcome to Christian Questions. Good evening, good evening, uh, and thank you for taking my call. Rick and Jonathan, uh, what a magnificent story, uh, David and Goliath. Yeah. It is always exciting. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Okay, okay. I'm having trouble with my computer. I can hardly get you. But anyway, here's the thought. I, I, have, a, I have a suggestion. Okay. I think that Jehovah God designed that incident to picture a future spectacular deliverance of these people, Israel. Goliath being a picture of the global coalition, you know, is such a massive uh, coalition against Israel. And uh, the, the odds, you know, today, like then, against David, there, there's no way, they're overwhelming, you know, they're overwhelming except for divine intervention. Right. And I give you two scriptures, I'm not going to quote them, but I give you two scriptures. Zechariah 14.3, where it says, he'll fight for them as he did in the days of battle. That's, I think that's coming pretty soon. And uh, it's Zechariah 14.3 and Zechariah 12.10. Simultaneously, Israel will have to realize 
that uh, their deliverance is not because of their own doing. So that's my thought. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. I appreciate your call. And uh, Julius, good night. thank you, Julius. Good night. Julius is being very uh, prophetically astute here and saying, "Look, there is not just the lesson of David and Goliath uh, in that particular circumstance, but there is the lesson of the prophetic aspect that God is at work. He is there. He is to deliver us. And you know, same thing. Same thing with Jesus with us. You know, Jonathan, when when and and, and Trish just gave me this note. She says, you know, Jesus says the same to us. Don't panic." You know, he, I'm here to save you. While the train of sin and death is rolling over top, he's covering us saying, I got you. Don't you worry. I've got you. That's the heroism that we're talking about. So thank you, Julius, for the call, for the prophetic aspect of it. Let's get back now to, uh, to uh, David, because now David is in this situation where he um, has uh, uh, put himself before King Saul, and then Saul says to him, okay, all right, okay, go. And may the Lord be with you. So now let's continue. First uh, Samuel chapter 17. Uh, let's pick up with verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And see, there is David being really practical. So it's interesting. He's relying on God. But he's not going to rely on Saul's armor because right. he can't move. He can't fight the battle he's supposed to fight. Saul's too large. That <laughs> armor doesn't fit. Right, right. The armor doesn't fit, and, and David needs to be able to do what he has to do with God's help. And he's not going to rely on, 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 on Saul's armor. He's going to be intuitively courageous because he's relying on God. He knows how God has delivered him in the past, and he's going to rely on that. So what does he do? Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So David faces the giant with faith in the way God had already delivered him. He has That's amazing. He what ha an attitude. Yeah. He has his shepherd's staff. He chose five smooth stones from the brook. And he has his shepherd's bag, and he puts him in there, and he has his sling. And that's all he has. He doesn't have a helmet. He doesn't have a shield. He doesn't have a sword. He is not dressed for warfare, except for the fact that he's dressed in faith, because he knows God is with them, and therefore with him. That is an amazing picture of the faith of somebody who really, really, really trusts in the delivering hand of God. So, Jonathan, with that, how do we trust in the delivering hand of God? It's through Jesus. That's right. So let's go back to looking at the cycle of Jesus' life from very beginnings before he came to earth and looking at the cycle that Matthew Winkler lays out uh, according to these aspects of the clock you know, and what he's saying is each one of these aspects represents sort of the next step in the, in the life of the hero. So in this next soundbite, he's going to cover uh, the, the next two aspects of the cycle, 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Let's see what happens in those and how Jesus in his overall life fit into them. Okay, play. <laughs> 5 o'clock, approach. 
It's time to face the biggest ordeal, the hero's worst fear. Six o'clock, crisis. This is the hero's darkest hour. He faces death and possibly even dies, only to be reborn. And you hear that and you think, yeah, that's right. You know, face death and was was resurrected. But, you know, it, it said the, the approach, time to face your worst fear, the, the worst part of the experience. And for Jesus, there was a worst part of the experience. And I really truly believe it was the Gethsemane part of the experience where he had to deal with things that were really troubling him. So let's, let's drop in on that, Jonathan, Matthew 26, 37 to 44. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be grieved and distressed. And then he said, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He went away a second time and prayed, saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Jesus is deeply troubled. He would not have prayed about this three separate times if he wasn't. And it was such an emotional stress and strain for him because this was it. This was the final stop. This night would begin the process that would bring him to crucifixion. And th that was the most painful, horrific ordeal you could, you could ever imagine. So this is that the time to face your worst difficulties, your worst challenges, your worst fears. Je well, how about us? How about us? Jesus faced them. Our worst fears can be crippling unless unless our feet remained fixed in the footsteps of Jesus. And what were they? The, the Lord's will be done. Right. They were encapsulated in that word, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Our fears can cripple us. Yes. Let's walk in his footsteps. Those are heroic footsteps. And then finally, you know, in, in this cycle that Matthew Winkler is talking about, it comes the crisis, facing death. And, of course, we know Jesus didn't face possible death. He faced torture, torment, and death on the cross. And that was the beginning of the success that we see of his ministry, Mark 15, 37 to 39. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion, who was standing right in front of him, saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the son of god so you can see that little witness right there to that roman soldier in the way even the way he died was a witness to those around him of his cause being greater than he i mean jonathan it's just such a such a heroic life and oftentimes we look at the heroism of jesus and say well there it is you know it's encapsulated there we're only halfway through the program We've got so much more to cover of Jesus' life because his life is so much bigger than that. So, Jonathan, as we begin to wrap this segment up, let's go back to the story of Wesley, the unsung hero, just to, to give it a wrap-up and let the, the newscaster tell us about being a hero one last time. As for the guy Wesley saved, he's 20-year-old Cameron Hollipter. 
and other than a few scrapes and bruises, his father says he's doing fine. Mr. Autry's instinctive and unselfish act saved our son's life. You know, the word hero gets thrown around a lot nowadays. What a better way to say it to start off the new year than to save, save a life. <laughs> nice to be reminded of what one really looks like. Steve Hartman, CBS News, New York. So, you know, you see that, that, that wonderful, wonderful story of what it looks like to be uh, a, a real hero in real life. And, you know, folks, as we wrap up this hour, in the second hour, we're going to be focusing on how can we learn to become heroic in our Christian walk? Because that's really what it's about. It's about being heroic. It's about standing for something bigger and better and stronger than we are because we are trying to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. He is our example. Uh, uh, examples like David give us inspiration so that we can form our lives into a way that becomes heroic for the cause of Christ and to the honor and glory of God. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back in just a few minutes with the second hour. But until then, how do you define hero? We'll be back very, very soon. Think about it. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Brody Ashton once said, Heroes are made by the paths they choose, not the powers they are graced with. Good evening. Welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian con commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we've got, I, you know, this is, to me, this is just one of those in, awe-inspiring subjects on the table tonight. It really is, Rick. And our question is, how do you define hero? And our theme text is found in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. Okay, them's fighting words if you ever ask me. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And uh, so, you know, as we, as we look at this, the, the idea of how do you define hero, we're looking at the story of David and Goliath. We're looking at the life, not only the earthly life of Jesus, but the pre-human existence life of Jesus and the post-human existence life of Jesus. And, and we're looking at some other things uh, to, to make it just sort of interesting and mixed in. But um, let, let's just recap a little bit about the story of David and Goliath, Jonathan, because that's such an important part of the inspiration for us to learn how to be uh, more heroic in our lives. So there were, um, as we reveal the hero, the young hero David, he's, he's just a very young man. He's like six, 17 or 18 years old. There were, there were three phases of that revealing we went over in the first hour. What were they? That's right, Rick. The first phase is the challenge, a powerful defiance of God and his people. The second phase, the reaction. David is shocked, firm, persistent, and bold. And the third phase, the response. David's response with faith, experience, and intuitive courage. 
All right, so you've got these three phases, and what they're doing is this is the inspiration for us. You know, in, in our daily lives, we look at Jesus, and, you know, we re- refer to Jesus each at the end of each segment because he is our ultimate hero. There's no question about that. That's right. The issue, the problem, and I almost hate to say it that way, but the problem in looking at Jesus is because he's perfect, and, and we can never measure up to that level. But David here is a very young man who loves God with his whole heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And he's showing us heroism because of that love of God. He's showing us his willingness to put his life on the line because he loves God so, so much. And so by focusing on, on, on David in this instance with Goliath, it helps us to really see the value of heroism in our own lives and say, yeah, you know, I want to I be like that. I want to be yeah, like that. Definitely. When we began the program, we started with a, a soundbite from uh, Join the Conversation. This was on YouTube. What is a hero? And it was several people giving examples of what they thought a hero was. Let's go back to that and just finish up a few other examples of what these people are defining as everyday heroes. A hero to me is my mother. My dad is a former vet from the Navy. My mom was the first woman in the Florida Air National Guard. I couldn't have a better hero. She's my hero. Una persona extraordinaria que lucha para salvar este gran país. Hero is someone who faces insurmountable circumstances, but yet still puts himself out there. Someone who puts the team first. Someone that's willing to lay it all on the line. Even when they're scared, they, uh, they give all they got. And they, sometimes you got to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. And, you know, Jonathan, uh, that last gentleman said, you know, sometimes you got to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves. That's the story of Jesus. And that's the story of those of us who follow Jesus. Because the ultimate call of the true Christian is to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves as well. And another point that Jesus impressed on us was team first. Yeah. The body of Christ. Love them and serve them. And don't focus on yourself. Right, right, right. So it is a very, like you said at the very beginning of the program, heroism is a very selfless act. And if we can get our arms around that, becoming heroic doesn't come because you focus on, okay, I'm going to be heroic now. It it comes because you focus on, I'm going to love selflessly. That's where real true heroism comes from. Yes. So let's go back to David in that in, in that in that uh, particular example against Goliath in First Samuel chapter seventeen. You you re you recap the first three phases: the challenge, the reaction, and the response. And now the revealing of this young young man David as a hero. The fourth phase is the proclamation. It's it's the it's the saying of what you're going to do, but it's not said. Uh, until he hears a little few things from the giant himself. So let's go back to 1 Samuel 17 for that. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And, you know, it, it, it's a common theme in so many stories of heroics that you hear from the villain. 
and the villain tells you just what they think of you and what they think of your cause, and it's always very, very nasty. And Goliath is no exception. You got it. <laughs> he is looking down on David, no pun intended there, but he's looking down on him with this utter disdain, and he's basically saying, you, little boy, I am insulted that they have sent you out to face me. I'm just going to squash you like a little bug. You have no chance for anything here. And so you can see that Goliath, the rage, is coming up inside of Goliath. And so now David is going to have to respond to that. He now, will. Oh, 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 he yeah. certainly will. Oh, he will. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else to be said, that, but he will. Folks, if you have a thought, uh, if you have an example of heroism, somebody who's been heroic in your life, or questions or comments on being a hero, we'd love to hear from you at 866 866- 985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a voice of reason in a world that's lost its way. Keep in touch at ChristianQuestions.com. So before we go to David's response, let's go to another movie theme. And now the music may not be that familiar to, to many, course this is a movie that was sort of built for a generation younger than me so maybe it's more common for them than it would be for me anyway let's listen to this movie theme and see if you can find out who the hero is behind it That one's a little tougher, Jonathan. Uh, who, who, what, uh, what movie theme is that? That's from the Hunger Games theme song. All right, so that's Katniss Everdeen is the hero in that in those ser- in that series of movies. And, and again, what, what do you have here? What makes the hero? Well, it's a fictional person and, and people, essentially, in a future time facing the tyranny of other fictional people. The interesting thing is that with this particular type of movie, this is one of those things that people look at and say, well, you know what, this could happen. This could happen. The world could fall apart to the point where you have this kind of tyrannical uh, overlording of others, and then you have those individuals who are supposed to step up and stand up and do something different. So it's interesting because it's back to a level of believability. Remember we started with Rocky, very believable. Sure. Went to all the science fiction stuff, very unbelievable. Yep. But see, there's heroes for every generation and every circumstance because we truly want them. So with that, let's go back to a real hero um, and let's get back to David responding to what Goliath had just said who was incredibly insulting to David, to Israel, and to God Almighty. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. 
So David says an awful lot here. David really, really says a lot here. He says to me, he, he, he sums it up. He defines the battle. A, a mighty warrior against a man of God. That's what he's saying. He said, yeah, you come to me with sword and spear and with a javelin. You come to me with the armor. You come to me with all the threats and all the bigness and all the experience. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And he says, look, today that God will deliver you into my hands. I'm not going to... He didn't say himself. Isn't right. that amazing? Right. I'm not, I love that. I'm, I'm not going to be able to beat you. It's God's victory. Right. God is just simply going to use me. He's going to make... He's really saying, he's going to give me perfect aim today. That's what he's going to do. God will give me perfect aim, and I will be able to slay the giant. So he defines the battle. David proclaims the victory, and he says, it's God's victory, not mine. What a great example of what a hero is supposed to be. So let's go back to, um, actually, I want to just pick up a comment from the app, Christian Questions app. Folks, we love to get your your comments in in from the app. We can't get to all of them, but we certainly try to. It says, uh, usually a hero is someone you want to emulate. It's direction, inspiration, motivation, and hope. And every example that we've gone through, through the movies, that's what it is. You know, that's what people look for. And what we're saying is, great, you can go to movies and that's wonderful, but it's all fantasy, it's all fictional. Let's look at real life heroes, like this, the, the heroes in scripture, and see what they have to offer us. We've looked at David standing firm as a 17 or 18 year old boy. Now let's get back to Jesus and, and the big picture of his life. So let's go back to the Matthew Winkler uh, soundbite. Uh, on, remember he was talking about um, the cycle, the, the cycle of a hero. And we're looking at the entire life, the, the, the pre-human existence, the human existence, and the post-human existence of Jesus in the eyes of this cycle. Next up is 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock on the cycle. 7 o'clock, treasure. As a result, the hero claims some treasure, special recognition, or power. 8 o'clock, Result. This can vary between stories. Do the monsters bow down before the hero, or do they chase him as he flees from the special world? All right. So the the idea is you've got now the story is now further developing, and and the question is now what does the hero get? Well, there's a treasure. There's a treasure always involved in these heroic stories, whether it be freedom, whether it be riches. There's some kind of treasure, and in Jesus' case, there was wonderful wonderful treasure in heaven as a result of his willingness to put everything on the line. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 32 to 36. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven. But he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So this is the Apostle Peter speaking with great authority at uh, at Pentecost here. And really, he's saying, You guys took Jesus' life away, you think. 
But what really happened is you you just expedited his being lifted up to a to a position that has never been seen in all of creation. And it's a position at the right hand of the throne of God. If that's not treasure, Jonathan, I don't know <laughs> what is. That's amazing. I, I just don't know what you could call treasure if that is not it. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about heroism. We're talking about Jesus. We're looking at David versus Goliath. A lot to talk about here. Our number is 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions and comments. Also, interact with us on our Facebook, and you can tweet us at CQNet Radio, and we're now on Instagram. And, and Jonathan, you know, getting back to, to the example of Jesus and the treasure in heaven, when we stand heroically, when we stand in Jesus' in Jesus' footsteps, we can experience treasure. But it's a treasure of blessing. It can be a treasure of peace. It can be a treasure of hope. It can be a treasure of victory in that moment, in that experience. And so there is wonderful, wonderful reward for standing firm, even though the reward might not be seen by everybody else everywhere else. That's not, that's not relevant. What's relevant is walking in Jesus' footsteps heroically. And the challenge we have is in this uh, chaotic world that we're in and the evil and, and and the distraction that's all around us. And that's why you need to be heroic. And that's why a, a conversation like this is so important. Because what does it take to be heroic? What do we look to to draw the inspiration toward heroism? That's what this is really pointing to, and that's what it's really all, is, all about. Now, in, in Matthew Winkler's cycle of the hero, there's got to be a result. You know, there's the treasure, and then there's a the result. And the result, in Jesus' case, is what, Jonathan? All are ransomed from sin because he paid the price. So the result is not just something good for the hero. It's no, something it's good for, for everyone. Right. Romans, <laughs> Romans 5, 18 and 19. It doesn't get any better than that. You're right. You're right. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many are made righteous. So you see, Jesus paid the price for every man, woman, and child who ever lived. That's the result. We should stand heroically. Our result can be, if, if we do stand heroically, our result can be, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. That's such an important part of our Christian walk. Be a hero for Jesus. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, how do you define hero? Coming up, now for the battle. How does a true hero fight his battles? That's next. Technology changes fast. It's not easy to keep up. Before you go out and buy a new phone every month, rest easy that you can interact with Rick and Jonathan like never before through the Christian Questions radio app. Latest tech, easy to use, and tons of on-demand CQ content. Find it now in your Apple or Google Play Store. Search Christian Questions Radio.
You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, how do you define a hero? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-FOR-ALL, or you can message us on your app. And if you'd like to write to us, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. So, Jonathan, as we have this conversation about heroes and heroism, it really is inspiring to look at it and and see the real-life examples of David, in this case, against Goliath, and then Jesus, well, in the case of everything. <laughs> and But, you know, one last time, let's go to another movie theme, because we all want heroes, and everybody is looking for the hero, looking to feel good because they've got the hero. Uh, so let's go to another movie theme, and I think this one, this one I think everybody really, I think everybody understands and knows this one. The Star Wars theme. There you go. And and again, th- that is a pure hero-based story. And the story is, is fictional people li- and aliens. you got all kinds of weirdos in this one, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> fictional pe- people and aliens fighting evil people and other aliens in a far future time in some far distant place in a galaxy far, far away. It's pure <laughs> fantasy. But yes, wh- it is. But what gets people going is the heroism of those who stand up. The odds are too great, they're too big, it's too unlikely, but these few stand up in the face of it and look like they're going to be defeated and they come through. That's what humanity wants. And the great news is that's what humanity is going to get. Not from fiction, not from fantasy, but from the real life experiences of Jesus Christ and those who follow him. That's what humanity is going to get. And we're really going to focus that on that in the next segment. But right now, uh, let's get back to David. Because David is in the middle of... Uh, uh, Goliath has, 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 is, is, is angry. He wants to squash him like a bug. David has informed Goliath very, very plainly. The 17 or 18-year-old kid standing up to the 9-foot giant has said, you're going down today in the name of God. That's, that's what's going to happen here. That is what's going to happen. So let's get back to the fifth phase of that young hero being revealed, and that is his courage in action. Back to uh, 1 Samuel 17. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. So let, let's, let's just let's pause and, and consider this for a second. Picture that. So I, that was the, you know, of all of the readings about this, that was the shortest one. Yes. But this is probably one of the most impactful statements that, that we've actually talked about with this. Because the Philistine starts coming towards David. David, it says he hurried and he ran toward the army and Goliath. 
So he is running. The 17-year-old kid without armor, without a sword, is running toward the nine-foot giant with the Philistine army right behind him. Fearless. Absolutely. Utter faith and fearlessness. Not only running to meet his opponent, but running single-handedly toward an enemy army. He is just not afraid. There is no fear. And why? Because God has the battle in control. David knows that already. David's not guessing God is there. David's not hoping God is there. David knows God is there. What happens? Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. And, you know, it's just interesting... I, you know, it's not, I don't know that it's written to be this way, but, you know, literally, Goliath fell on his face. You know, we, yes. we use that a, as, a, as, a, as a metaphor for somebody failing miserably, and that was not a metaphor in this case. That was the reality. All the armor that covered this giant, there was only one small weakness, and the Lord helped David to achieve that weakness. Right, and God gave David perfect aim that day, at that time, to defeat that giant. It's interesting. Remember earlier in the program it said that he, he, uh, he had chosen five stones? Yeah, why? Why was that? Well, let's take a look. We don't know for sure why, but there's some very interesting speculation as to why. The commentator McGee has some interesting thoughts on that. Uh, McGee says, However, the explanation is that Goliath had four sons, and they were part of the Philistine army. And David knew that when he slew the giant, the four sons might want to come out and fight him. So that's interesting. Yeah, and it actually is borne out in 2 Samuel 21 verse 22. These four were born in the to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. So it's mentioning that these four were born to the giant to Goliath because it was Goliath, he was from Gath. And it's interesting that later on after this battle much later that each of these four sons of Goliath were killed by either David or his servants. So, so David and his servants, by God's grace, finished the job that David started when he was just a teenager. Wow. But David... Amazing. Let, let, let's, just, let's just kind of rephrase this. David, as a teenager, <laughs> as an yeah. unarmed teenager, without armor, without experience in war, took out the most fearsome warrior of their time. With one shot, not from a gun or not from a, uh, you know, it wasn't a javelin. It wasn't even an implement of war. It was a sling. It was a slingshot. He used the simplicity of what had protected him in the past to take down the giant by God's grace. That is a hero. So how does this part of the story of David and Goliath now come to an end? So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. So you ha that's it just it just concludes it. Faith, preparedness, bold action, and most importantly, the cause of God. Again, faith, preparedness, bold action, and the cause of of God. So that that should be us. We should be applying that to ourselves, right? That's how we slay the giants in our lives. With okay. faith, preparedness, bold action. But, you know, you can have faith and you can have preparedness and you can have bold action. If you don't have the cause of God, 
all of those things are in vain. That's right. So you've got to be sure of the cause for which you fight. David was, and the reward was very, very obvious. So David struck the giant, and he falls, and he kills him. And now David is going to finish, he's going to absolutely finish the job unequivocally here. And this is kind of gross, but this is what the scripture says. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and drew it out of his sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champ champion was dead, they fled. And, you know, the you, you think, okay, if he killed him, then why did he cut off his head? I mean, again, that's kind of gross. But that, that was warfare in those days. There's no question about it. But that was also a symbol to the Philistine army that your leader is done. It's over. And they ran. They ran for the very lives because, you know, they were, according to the words of Goliath, they were supposed to surrender right then and there. That was the but, agreement. But they didn't. <laughs> no, no, they ran and they had to be chased down uh, by, by, the, uh, by, the, by, the, by Israel's army. But, you know, the big, the representative of that army, that Philistine army was taken out. And that just shows us that when the mighty representatives of evil are struck down, those who follow evil generally flee because they're nothing without the leadership. And again, that's why heroes are so important in our lives. Folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time, 866-985-4255. Let us know what your thoughts are, your questions, your input, your uh, observations on heroism, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Monday evenings from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, uh, Jonathan, we've, we've gone through the story of David and Goliath. It's a very, very dramatic story. So let's get back now to the story of the life of Jesus. Again, we were looking at one event in the, in the life of David. We're looking at a broad-stroked approach to the life of Jesus. And we're using this cycle uh, from Matthew Winkler, this heroic cycle, that he says all mythological heroes and real-life heroes seem to generally follow. And, you know, Jesus didn't fit into the cycle for the sake of fitting into the cycle. Jesus did the things that needed to be done when they needed to be done according to the will of God. The cycle happens to fit into Jesus' life. Jesus doesn't fit into the cycle. Let's make sure, I like that. Let's make sure we, <laughs> we see that correctly because that really yes. is the, the way to see it. So anyway, we're up to 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. What happens in this cycle, uh, in this pathway of a hero's life? 9 o'clock? returned. After all that adventure, the hero returns to his ordinary world. Ten o'clock, new life. This quest has changed the hero. He has outgrown his old life. Okay, quick and easy. Nine o'clock, return. And, and again, the, you know, their cycle doesn't quite fit the life of Jesus perfectly, but it fits it well enough to know that Jesus did talk about returning. That's right. Not as a human being, but as a spirit being. Exactly. Matthew 24, verses 42 to 44. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. 
So the return of Jesus, Jesus talked about. Now, you know, in, in this cycle of the mythological heroes, you know, they return to their, their old, old stomping grounds, if you will. Jesus is returning to earth in a powerful, powerful way. But he's saying, this is not going to be a return that you're going to be able to pinpoint or expect because I'm coming at a time when you don't know. And I'm coming in a way that you don't know. And there's an awful lot to this, but the bottom line is, I'm coming back. And why does Jesus come back? Because there's still unfinished work. You see, so often, Jonathan, Christianity looks at the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus and says, wow, that was great work. What we miss is that that was the beginning of the work. The rest of the work has to be accomplished through his return and through the destruction of what is so it can be replaced with what should be. That's right. The present evil system has to disappear to usher in God's kingdom. It does. Which Jesus is in charge of. And in the next segment, we're really going to focus uh, a lot more on, on that part of things. Uh, you know, for us now. You know, it's you know the return concept. Jesus returns, and, and we know that. He talked about it. Prophecies talk about it. Heroism in our everyday battles empowers us to return again to whatever our fight is. And, Jonathan, oftentimes our heroism has to be, we have to kind of re-up it each day. Yes, we, we do. We have to renew our resolve, renew our discipline, renew our focus, so we can really, really take it and run with it. So we want to be able to return to that fight stronger in faith, more firm in the footsteps of Jesus. Let's take a minute here, and let's go to a verse of a song. This is a beautiful, beautiful song. It's called the 9-11 song. It's by Dave Carroll, and it's really about everyday heroes. And this first verse really does focus on uh, just everyday, regular people doing what they are supposed to be doing because it's their job and their passion. Firefighters at the station Listen as the tone goes out Fire alarms activated And the building is showing smoke And so the engine rolls To trouble again There's people at the scene just watching People running out for their lives the Firefighters get them and help them out And get them all inside Cause that's just what they do These women, man Cause they made a promise And here they come Someone hurt and called 911 and the siren saying hope is on the way there's a hero racing to help a stranger today isn't that beautiful that is there's a hero racing to help a stranger every day and it's talking about firefighters and when you think about it they do incredibly heroic work incredibly heroic work and we need to acknowledge that uh, those individuals who, who, who are there to save lives simple as that Jonathan 10 o'clock remember the cycle the pathway of Jesus life the new life the world of mankind now has new life either on earth or on heaven notice in this case in the real case it's not the hero gets a new life I mean we've already discussed you know the reward but it is 
the world gets new life because of Jesus. And we know that because in John 5, 25 to 29, Jesus himself said so. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who, he, who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who did the good deeds to the resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to the resurrection of judgment. So Jesus is talking about resurrection. Now he's talking about resurrection to life or judgment, two different end results, but both have positive, positive, positive potential. And remember when Peter was talking in Acts 2, uh, verses 32 to 36, he said, For David did not ascend to heaven, but Jesus did. Right. And so this shows you the example of Jesus was the first to open that heavenly door while everyone that lived before him would be on the earth. Right. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that David's brought into the picture. We've been talking about David throughout the whole program and the great heroism of David's acts and yet they didn't yield what the heroism of Jesus did. No. Totally different scenario. We can learn and be inspired by David, but we see the big picture, the big picture, the strength of the picture uh, in the life of Jesus. Our everyday heroism prepares us for a future even more heroic, a more heroic role in humanity's destiny than we can imagine. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, how do you define hero? Coming up, what is the ultimate result of the lives of God's heroes? That's next. listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today, how do you define a hero? We're live Monday evening from 8 to 10 Eastern, and that means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and there are many archived programs on a variety of subjects to listen to. So as we begin to wrap up this program with this final segment, we want to wrap up the cycle, the pathway that Jesus walked, uh, and, and that, that is kind of a template for the journey of a hero. That's really what it is. Jesus happens to not only fit that template, but I think he wrote the book on the template of a journey of a hero. And so let's go back to Matthew Winkler as he's laying out the, the different aspects of it, the different uh, periods of cycle. So he's going to mention now uh, 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock, the last two periods or the last two cycles on this pathway that Jesus walked. 11 o'clock, resolution. All the tangled plot lines get straightened out. 12 o'clock, status quo, but upgraded to a new level. Nothing is quite the same once you're a hero. All right. Nothing is quite the same once you're a hero. And, you know, when you look at the heroism of Jesus, nothing is the same for anybody because of his heroic life. Not just, not just actions, but his heroic life. So let's talk about the 11 o'clock thing. He says resolution. All re confusion is resolved. All 
and, and, and really what that boils down to is all now know the plan of God and they will know it, not right, I shouldn't say all now know it, but all will know it in the, in the millennium. Uh, we know that because that's the reason Jesus came. That's the whole point behind his being here. First Timothy 2, verses 3 to 6. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. So, Jonathan, in that verse, it really tells you something important that I think mo- many in Christianity don't, don't really focus on. It's talking about, it says, uh, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, what does that mean? Rick, it means a full discernment. I mean, a complete understanding. So it's not like you heard something in passing and you're supposed to believe it? No. It's really, it's full disclosure. It gives you the whole picture. And it's saying that that's the way the plan of God is going to work. And and Rick, the footstep followers are given a mission here in verse 6, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. It's a proper time to let everyone know Christ died for all. And here we are, standing up and sharing that good news. And it takes heroic effort and attitude to stand up and share that news, because this world doesn't like that news. It doesn't, which is sad. (laughs) I know. I mean, don't you know what you're missing? (laughs) I know. You're watching Star Wars. We're telling you, we're talking about heavenly victories, not Star Wars. There's heavenly victories here on our behalf. It's really amazing. Our job. Our job as Christians is to be working with Jesus to resolve all of life's confusion in the future. That's why we go through trials and difficulties now, so we can learn how to manage those things from the inside out, so we can apply them to others later on. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 19 explains that uh, uh, to us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, pause right there for a second, okay? Because it says, now all, these, all things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So it's saying those true footstep followers of Jesus, those who we're talking to about acting heroically, have been reconciled. Yes, we have. Okay, we've already gone down that road because we've given our lives over to God through Christ. And we've, be, we've been made right with God. Right. Now, it doesn't mean that we're smarter or better. No, no it doesn't. Because we're still sinful. But yes. we're covered with the righteousness of Christ. We have been reconciled. But the rest of the world hasn't. And that's why the verse goes on to say, in your having been reconciled, you are now given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, what does that mean? For others. Right. (laughs) Now, now let's continue the verse. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has commanded to us the word of reconciliation. So, he says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So, that means we've been reconciled, but God, because of our being reconciled, is in the process of of getting ready to reconcile the world to him. Helping others. That's why we are given the word of reconciliation, just like you said, the, the word of hope. That's the, that's, folks, that's the reason Christian Questions exists. 
It is the message of hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the message of the heroic actions and life of Jesus Christ. It is the message of how we can be heroes for that cause as well. That's what this is really all about. And that's why talking about heroism to me is su- such, a, such an important and, and it just, just such an inspirational way to look at life. So let, let's, let's go for a little more inspiration, shall we? We shall. Okay. Let's go back to that song, 9-11 song by Dave Carroll. Remember the first verse was about firefighters, and uh, you know, they, they just, they, they're running to save those who need them because that's what they do. Well, let's take a look, or let's take a listen, rather, to the second verse. Saturday night in the city Cruiser gets a dispatch call A little girl says her daddy's mad And drank a bunch of alcohol And so they head away Into trouble again People at the house are screaming Someone yells he's got a gun girl full of panic cries out, Daddy, don't you shoot my mom. That's where the cops come in. These women and men. Cause they made a promise. Here they come. Someone heard the call 911. And the sirens say, They made a promise, and here they come. There's hope on the way. That's right. Hope is on the way. And, 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 and you know, we look at those, those, those individuals in uniform who really do put their lives on the line uh, every, every day. And, and, you know, I don't think we thank them enough for, You're right. for the kinds of things they do because they really truly are our heroes, every, every one of them. And um, what we want to understand, though, is as, as inspired as we get by that— the heroics of Jesus in his life and what true Christianity is called to do, called to be, and called to become rises to a level that's even greater than that because the impact is greater than that. It's eternal. Right. It's eternal. And, you know, you, you can't... How do you get your arms around that? How, I can't get my head around how big it is and what an awesome privilege it is uh, to to be a Christian, to truly be a Christian, because the Christian life is is a race to eventually help all strangers. You know, in that in that song, it said, "There's a hero racing to help a stranger every day." The Christian life is a race to eventually help every stranger for eternity. I mean, you don't get better, you don't get bigger, you don't get stronger than that. So we've looked at resolution. That was the 11 o'clock part of the cycle, part of the, the pathway of Jesus and that pathway that he walked and that we should be following in his footsteps and we should be walking. And uh, in, in that uh, soundbite, Matthew Winkler said, 12 o'clock, status quo. quo. Everything's but upgraded. Right. So everything's back to normal, but wait a minute. not Upgraded. Right. Not <laughs> just normal as you knew it, 
but a new level, higher level, stronger level, permanent level of normal. And what is that new level? All mankind are ransomed, raised, and tested. Every human can now have a relationship with God just as Adam did in the garden before the fall. So, again, you think about that. Every human can now have a relationship with God. And what does that mean? Because, you know, when we think about a relationship with God now in this age at this time, we think of it in terms of kind of broken terms. Because our relationship with God is dependent on this and dependent on that, and sometimes we lose our focus and all of that. But this is a different kind. This is a different level of relationship that the world will be able to have with God. Let's go to a, a wonderful prophecy that we have quoted oh, hundreds of times on this program. Isaiah chapter 35. We're just going to quote a few verses here because of time. But this is a picture of what a little glimpse of what the future looks like as a result of the heroism of Jesus and his footstep followers. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it'll be called the Highway of Holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it'll be for all, for him who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast go up on it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads, They will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And that last phrase really sums up things that if we can, again, if we can really, if you can can get your your belief system to, to really absorb that, they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I mean, when something flees away, it runs. (laughs) <laughs> okay right. it, it doesn't it doesn't say sorrow and sighing will eventually dry up it says they flee away because there's no more place for them they've been evicted they're gone they can't come back that's, and that's what every man woman and child are looking for right we joy all, and gladness we all want that and what we're saying is the heroism of jesus brought that and those of us who are following christ want to be a part of bringing that uh, in, into actual reality. So all of our present trials and challenges, for those of us who are really trying to follow Jesus, are well worth it if we focus on walking in Jesus' footsteps. You know, you can have a lot of trials and challenges, and if you're not focused on the right kinds of things, the right kind of direction, it's not going to mean so much. But if you're focused on Jesus' footsteps, it really does mean something. So let's wrap up Matthew Winkler and the cycle of uh, the, the hero cycle, the pathway of Jesus, with one last soundbite where he wraps it up from the standpoint of personal uh, and practical application. You leave your comfort zone, have an experience that transforms you, and then you recover and do it again. You don't literally slay dragons or fight Voldemort, but you face problems just as scary. Joseph Campbell said, In the cave you fear to enter lies the treasure you seek. What is the symbolic cave you fear to enter? Auditions for the school play? Baseball tryouts? Love? Listen for your call to adventure. Accept the challenge. Conquer your fear and claim the treasure you seek. And then do it all over again. So what he said, you know, one of, the, one of the most important things I think of that, that uh, last soundbite was he says, in the cave you fear to enter lies the treasure that you seek. 
it's oftentimes the things that we fear that keep us from from accomplishing the greatest pieces of our lives. But we're told we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And when you think about it, the treasure that we seek is 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 peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Habakkuk two fourteen really expresses that. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that's kind of pretty conclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, you know, you can't you can't kind of metaphor that down to not being worldwide. That's right. <laughs> you know, it it is what it is. As the waters cover the sea, the earth will be filled with the knowledge, and not just the knowledge, but the glory of God as well. I mean, what a that's the treasure that we seek. So let's end that um, that song, the Everyday Hero song, the nine one one song. Uh, go to the final verse here as we wrap up this program. When people in the world need saving, the saviors who answer the call don't get paid anymore for danger. Or get to pick the ones they want. They just go to where the They made a promise and here they come. Someone heard and called 911. And the sirens saying, Hope is on the way. There's a hero racing to help a stranger. So, Jonathan, you know, as we think about that and, you know, the 911 call, if you will, think of it this way. The world has put out a 911 call and Jesus answered it. Thank God. And so help is on the way. Help and hope is absolutely on the way. One last scripture, Jonathan, to wrap up this program, Isaiah 2, verses 2 to 4. Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will establish as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, and let us go up unto the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations, and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. And so, Jonathan, as we wrap this up, the bottom line is the heroism of Jesus put the world in a position to be rescued. And the end result of that is never again will they learn war anymore. Why? Because that's what the Bible promised. Why? Because that's what Jesus came to deliver. Why? Because he delivered it. And because he received his reward as a result, now we need to be heroes in the wake of that to stand up for what's right, to stand up for what's scriptural, and be heroes for the cause of Christ in a world gone mad. For Jonathan, Rick, and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us this evening. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, be the hero you were called to be. Stand for Christ. Till next week.
think about it.